This is message five in the series, How to Develop a Willing Heart. And this is so foundational in your life. If you'll notice, it's so funny because uh, pretty much everything I teach on is very foundational in your life, right? And, uh, but I'll tell you, the difference between milk and meat is what you do with it. It's literally what you do with it. The more you grow in the Lord, John 3.16 is milk. But you know, it's not milk anymore for me. It's like a, a porterhouse steak now because I've peered into this verse for decades and it's become meat and God has taken me further into it. So we're talking about how to develop a willing heart and there's a principle in Isaiah that we've really looked at and I uh, want you to believe God with me tonight for utterance because there's a direction I want to go in. I believe, I say I want to go in. It's, it's a direction the Holy Spirit wants to go in and it's, it's so important that you learn this. It will help you on how to be led by the Spirit of God through your path. And it's not talked about a lot, but it's foundational. So in Isaiah 119, it says this, if, and that's a big word, if, because it's up to you, right? It's up to me. If you be willing and obedient, God says you shall eat the good of the land. Isn't that good news? So the CEV version says, if you willingly obey me, the best crops in the land will be yours. The Dewey Reams, uh, Reams version says this. I love this. If you be willing and will hearken to me. Hearken means to, to hear and then go do. If, you're, if, you will, if you are willing, if you be willing and will hearken to me, you shall eat the good things of the land. The New English translation says it this way, and I love this because it does bring out a little bit more of this Hebrew word. If you have a willing attitude and obey, then you will again eat the good crops of the land. And that word willing has in the Hebrew language, it gives you a picture of it's dealing with your attitude. It's of the heart. So it's of the heart, and then you walk it out as you obey. The Living Bible, which is, it's not a translation, it's a paraphrase. I love it, though, because it brings out the picture that this Hebrew word, willing and obedient, these two words, it, the Hebrew language, it's a numerical sequence, but it's also, it gives you a picture, and it has connecting words to it. It's real interesting. But the Living Bible says it this way, if you will only let me help you, the word willing and obedient, literally, the word willing literally gives you a picture of God saying to you, gosh, if you'll only let me help you, right? If you will only obey. So first of all, you invite him in and you let him help you. And then you obey what he directs you to do. Look at what it says. Then I will make you rich. Now you think, well, wait a minute. Is that really talking about that? Yeah, the good of the land, that, that picture in the Old Testament in the Hebrew language is making a person rich. What is rich? A full and overflowing supply. That sounds a lot like the blessing of Abraham. Right? It sounds a lot like that. But look at verse 20. Go ahead and pull up verse 20 in the King James Version. Verse 20, Isaiah 120, here's the other end of it. So first of all, if you are willing and obedient, you're going to eat good. But if you refuse and rebel, in other words, if you don't let God help you and you just want to try to do it yourself, look at what it says, you'll be devoured. So that is the principle in the word of God. If you'll be willing and obedient, if you're a doer of the word, you're going to eat well. If you're not, you're going to get eaten. Well, what's the New Testament scripture on that? That Satan literally 
He's going, walking to and fro on the earth. What is he doing? He's seeking whom he may devour. He can't devour anybody he wants to, because guess how many people he'd want to devour? Every one of us, starting with the Christians, because he hates us. He hates everybody, but he really hates us because we're righteous, right? So this is a huge thing. So this is the principle. That's why you want to develop a willing heart. I want to encourage you, if you haven't listened to the other four messages, go back and meditate in those scriptures. Listen to those online. Get our app. Do whatever you need to do. Get the CD. Our CDs are really expensive. You'll have to believe God for the money. They're a dollar. Unless, of course, you don't have a dollar that you can sow. And that might mean you have money in your wallet, but that money needs to go for something else. Then we'll give it to you. Right? So, so that means there's no excuse. Get this in you. So important because what we're learning is this thing about being willing and obedient. All I got to do is make a decision that I want to be. And God will do the rest. He will energize me to make me willing. He'll literally empower me to be willing and obedient every time. It's wonderful. So now tonight I want to start talking about another piece of this. How do I develop a willing heart? You, it all starts, and turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 3. We're going to look at verse 5 and 6. It all starts with you building a relationship with your God through walking with him, through being in his word, getting to know him. It all starts with you trusting him. Why are people not willing and not obedient? They just don't really believe him because they don't really know him and they don't trust him. That's why. It's not because they're a bad Christian. There is no such thing as a bad Christian. Right? The Christian tonight that is right now doing exactly the opposite of what God wants them to do. If they're born again, guess what? They're just as righteous as Jesus. It's just they're living out of their flesh, so their behavior is being driven from their flesh. That's it. God still loves them. How much does he love them? Almost as much as us? No. No, as much as Jesus. Right? So this is not a matter of good or bad. This is a matter of literally allowing God to live through you and help you. You're not to be strong in yourself. The messes you create in your life or the messes that have been created in your life, it's not up to you to fix them. He will do all that. But you got to be willing and obedient. Isn't that good news? Because he makes all things new. Boy, I tell you, I could, there's, I, could spend, I could spend weeks going through scripture after scripture that talks about this. But Proverbs, look at what it says here. It says, trust in the Lord with how much of your heart? All of it. Now, that statement alone, okay, how do you do that? Trust in the Lord with all of your heart. Try to do that without the help of the Holy Spirit. You can't do it. But with him, it's, it's literally you've been made to live that way. So wherever your limitations stop you, he'll keep you going. But you just got to be willing and obedient. So you trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And, and how do you do that? You stop relying on your own understanding. This, this word understanding in the Hebrew language means you stop relying on your own mind's conclusions. Well, what is your mind? How does your mind make a conclusion? It looks at all the facts. Through your five physical senses, it looks at everything and it makes a decision. It, it's like, okay, this is what's happening. This is the way it's got to be. I need this much money, and I only have this much money. Man, I'm in big trouble. Not with God. Right? This is what I've done. This is the mark on my life. I have no hope of, of prospering. I have no hope of this. 
No, not with God. We don't live like that. So you gotta trust. As you get to know him, you'll believe him and you'll realize that, listen, I am never to be governed by anything natural in this world. That the plan for my life has already been laid out. The table with everything I need on it is already laid. I've been blessed with all spiritual blessings and heavenly places in Christ. I've been given all things that pertain to life and godliness. And my future is no longer in front of me. It's within me. And his spirit who dwells in me will lead me and guide me into all the truth. And his word will be a lamp to my feet. He'll use the word of God and he'll enlighten my spirit so that my, literally, his word is a lamp to my feet, a light to my path. His word is everything. His, his, actually, his word will do everything. So you start to realize that. I don't lean on my own understanding anymore. How else do I trust in him with all my heart? Look at this. I don't, I don't lean on my own understanding. And in all of my ways, I acknowledge him. I consider him, which means I acknowledge him. In other words, in everything in my life, I put it through this filter. What does he say about this? This looks really bad. What does he say? I always cause you to have victory. I always cause you to triumph. All things. Now hear me, this is actually prophetic. This is somebody, this is a word from God for somebody, maybe more than one. All things are possible to him who believes. Because as I'm preaching right now, there's thoughts being thrown in people's minds, maybe online, maybe here, that God's saying, but, or the enemy's saying to you, but yeah, but this has not worked out for a long time. I don't see any way in the natural. No, no, no. All things are possible. Who, who's in control of this? God says all things are possible to him who believes. If you'll just believe, all things are possible. Yeah. But, but God, but, but Pastor Tony, listen here, you don't understand my situation. I just don't see this happening for me. You know, maybe I could settle. Maybe I should just settle, just, just maybe get 50% of what's really in my heart. No, every good and every perfect gift comes from above. If it's not good and perfect, you don't want it because it's not from God. God is able to do what? Exceeding abundantly above all that you can ask or even think. Isn't that good news? So trust in the Lord with all your heart. Don't lean on your own mind's conclusions and in all your ways, consider him. And then what? Now he can direct your steps. And he will always be able to see. What is that a picture of? Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 is a picture of an individual who is willing and obedient. And they will eat the good of the land. Why? Because God's directing your steps now. Have you ever directed your own steps? Yes. Yikes, right? right? Children of Israel are a great example as you read the Old Testament. You read the Old Testament and you're like, what's wrong with you people? Right? I remember a teacher at Ramah, she's actually back there now, she, she showed me, she has a map of the wilderness, and she had this red marker that's this thick, and she drew, she literally drew where they went for 40 years. And I mean, I've been known to take the scenic route to places. I'm a little directionally challenged, right? Up and down, I've got that really good. If you give me directions and you say north and south, I'm like, what are you talking about? Right? Right or left? And let me write that down, right? I, I, love, I love GPS. It's awesome, right? One time I was at Rama, and when Pastor Dave first moved up here, he still had his house, and he goes, hey, when you're down at Rama, you could, you could stay in my house. And So his house, how far did you live from Rama? Yeah, mile and a half. I'm talking to my wife one night, and I told her, yeah, I'm driving back to, I'm driving back to Dave's house. And we're talking for like 15, remember that? And you're like, where does he live? And I'm like, oh, you know, I just, I'm talking to her. She's complete, like she always does, she distracts me, right? And so, I mean, even when I can't, when she's not next to me, 
Her voice is so beautiful, it's distracting. The woman you gave me, it's her, right? Oh, let me get back in my spirit here. Okay, all right. But these people were crazy. They were directing their own steps, and they're just going everywhere. Do you know from Egypt to the promised land was an 11-day journey? Took them 40 years. Actually, that generation died in the wilderness. Only their kids went in. Why? Why, why, why was that? They weren't willing and obedient. They got devoured. What, what was that? They said they couldn't have what God said he gave them. So we don't do that here, right? So trusting God is knowing God. Trust in God, though, is based on knowledge of him, not head knowledge, revelation knowledge. See, the word of God will do you no good unless it is opened up on the inside of you. You can read it, but if you're just reading it, hey, I gotta get, you know, I gotta put my time in and I gotta get, let me read my chapter before I start my day. If you're not, if you're not reading it with the attitude of God, I wanna know you, and God, unless you open this to me, I can't know any of it. I'm completely relying on you. If you, don't, if you don't do it that way, the Holy Spirit's never able to open it. But when it opens on the inside of you, what happens? What is the walk of faith? It's where God re is revealed to you. The Holy Spirit opens up the word on the inside of you, the word that you're meditating in. And it reveals something about God to your heart. You gain revelation knowledge of him, and then you take a step. You progress. There is no steps without revelation knowledge of him. Okay? So this is very, very important. Trust in God is also based on your relationship with him. If you're born again tonight, and you've accepted Christ, and you've invited him into your heart, you're his child. You might not be fellowshipping with him, but you're his son or his daughter and you have a relationship with him. Everything is based on that relationship. All of his promises to you as his child are yes and amen. He says, if you ask anything according to my will, I'll hear you. And if you know that I just hear you, you know you have what you've asked me for. That's how good God is. So this is why Paul writes to this young pastor, Timothy, in 2 Timothy 1.12, and he says this. In, within this verse, he says, For I know whom I have believed. He didn't say, For I know what I believe. Let's put that up there. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 12, so people could see it. See, it, it goes on, for the which cause also, I also suffer all these things, right? Nevertheless, I'm not ashamed, for I know not what I, what I have believed, I know whom I have believed. And because I know who, I'm persuaded that he's able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. In Paul's writings to the Philippian church, in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10, Philippians 3.10, Paul said this. He's talking about his purpose in life. That I may know him. The Amplified Classic version of that brings out the Greek very well. It says, for my determined purpose is that I may know him. Not know about him, that I may know him. This is not ink on a page. This is Jesus. This is what we would call the written word of God, the logos word, but it will re it's, it's spoken, and when we speak the word of God, it's called the rhema word, but it reveals the living word, and that, that, the name of that is Jesus Christ. Right? So this is how you will predominantly know God. 
And that's why he put a new spirit in you. That's why the Holy Spirit is your teacher. He took up residency and he will teach you this word. I love that. That I may know him. Not know just how to quote scriptures. See, we got to get this right. Because in our circles, we are taught the word of God a lot. And this is what happens to people. You come here long enough and you could start quoting these scriptures, but until you meditate in them, they're never opened up and all you're doing is mentally assenting that they're right. But you know when the word goes off on the inside of you because the words come off the page and all of a sudden you're like, whoa, wait a minute, I am healed, right? My needs are met. And you're no longer moved by your pocketbook. You're no longer moved by your body, right? You know I have the victory. I don't care what it looks like. You hide and watch. You're gonna, I already know the end, right? That's what we're talking about. So then you jump over to Romans. Now we're ready to read Romans 10, 17. This is a verse all of us have heard a million times, right? Romans chapter 10, verse 17. So then faith... Well, what is faith? Faith is the ability to trust God. So then faith, which is the ability to trust God, how does it come? By hearing. Well, how how does hearing come? That comes by the word of God. So as I hear the word of God, faith comes. My ability to trust him in every way comes. So let's look at another scripture. Go to Jeremiah. Jeremiah chapter 17. Is this a series on faith? Or is this a series on being willing and obedient? Well, yes. Yes, it is. Yeah. Jeremiah 17, verses 7 and 8. It says, blessed. Do you know that word blessed in the Hebrew language means empowered to prosper? Blessed is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. Have you ever gone through something? You know what the enemy's always trying to do? He tries to separate you from your faith so you have no hope. So you look to your future and you go, this is never going to get better. But walking with Jesus fills your future with hope. Because it doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter where you are. You can look to the word of God and know where you're going. Right? You know, there's, there's some dear people that right now, I know they're watching this message from home. There are dear church members, and they would give anything to be here. You know, Norm and Shirley, and Norm's getting stronger every day. Right? You're empowered to prosper. We will see you soon. You're supernaturally recovering. Diane, you too. Diane and Bob. Diane's watching, right? She's getting better, but she's going to get supernaturally better and quicker. You will see you soon, very soon, Diane. And we love you, right? Can we say that? We love you guys, right? Amen. Amen. Blessed, empowered to prosper, is the man that trusts in the Lord and whose hope the Lord is. For he shall be like a tree planted by waters that spreads out her root by the river and shall not see when heat comes, but her leaf shall be green and shall not be careful in the year of drought, neither shall cease from yielding fruit. Man, I'm telling you, this looks like a picture of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. When they went into that fiery furnace, they didn't even see when heat comes. Why? Because they were getting all their information from the inside. They knew God was in there. Why? Because they had read his word. They had meditated in his word. That if you go into the fire or when you go into the fire, it won't kindle upon you. And you could know that too. How will you know that when you trust God? How do you trust God when you walk with him and you meditate in his word so that you can get to know him? Because he's irresistible, guys. 
He is life. There is nothing in this world that can satisfy. Not like him. Now, as he satisfies you inwardly, oh, you'll enjoy some things outwardly. But in its best day, the earth is still the valley of the shadow of death. You think oceans and mountains and forests look cool now? Wait till the curse is removed from off this thing. And that's our future. When you trust God, you are empowered to prosper and succeed. Jeremiah 17, verse 7 and 8, is giving us another picture of what? Somebody who is willing and obedient. The blessing of God is released in your life when you trust him. It can't be released before that because God will not violate your will. You have to want it. You have to believe it. Otherwise, he, he can't push it into your life. Even though he wants you to have it, he does not want you in lack. He does not want sickness and disease to be messing with you. He does not want you to suffer hurt and depression and anxiety, walk in fear and all these things. He doesn't want that. But he's got to get you to believe him. And that's why, man, the spirit of God on the inside of you will constantly be bearing witness with your spirit. Listen, you're a child of God. Cry out to him. Pursue him. Because he is life. And I love the fact, I, I think Pastor Mark gets the messages before I do, but that song, Blessed, Blessed Assurance, he had no idea I was going to talk about trust, which is expressed one way. You'll know if you're trusting God because you're at rest. You have now ceased from your own works. Do you know the biggest works that we do are the mental things? Sitting there. How I'm so, I'm just so tired of everything. I, I'm, I'm sick of this situation in my life. When's it going to change? Come on. I'm working, trying to figure out how am I going to get this out of my life? And that's, see, you're not at rest. Why is that? Because you're not trusting. I'm telling you, rest is the highest expression of faith. Where you stand when all is on the line and you're like, I refused. I refuse to be moved by anything in this world. Father, let every man be a liar. Let every circumstance be a liar let every situation be a liar but let you be true all of my trust is in you i refuse to worry i'm not gonna fret now listen how do you do that by keeping the word in your mouth because you will shut up and listen to yourself don't read your bible quietly read it out loud Amen. right oh i just want to sit here Get real quiet and listen to worship music. Okay. That might make you feel kind of good for a moment, but the minute you shut it off, in a very short period of time, you're going to start speaking death and you'll be handing yourself death. Keep the word in your mouth. Even though your mind might be going, that is the ridic most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. No, no, Tony, you are a failure. Stop saying you can do all things through Christ. No, no, no. No, I'm never going to stop saying it. And guess what? Flesh, you're going to come in line with that. Because the word of God, what God has placed in me, is much bigger than anything the enemy could throw at me. All of his things that come against you, they're all lies. They have no power. Zero power. They just ignite your emotions and your feelings and, and you feel like it's not working out. Who Get beyond that. Because I'm telling you, you'll feel real good when you walk in victory. Right? Your trust in God is expressed in rest. We must enter into his rest. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 11, 
In verse 28 through verse 30, he says, listen, come unto me, what? All ye that labor, that's all of you who are toiling, and heavy laden, that means overburdened. Have you ever been overburdened? Have you ever toiled? Oh my goodness, isn't that uplifting? Right? Reaching people, creating toil. I don't think anybody would come here if that was our logo, right? No, no. But you know a lot, sometimes you wonder about that. It's like, what is your mission statement? You're getting up in a pulpit teaching people that God is good to some and not others. Yikes. This is Faith Family Lottery Church. Come here. We're going to teach you faith, and maybe you're lucky enough for God to do something good for you. No. No, no, he is no respecter. He's done it for everyone. Right? He is good all the time. He's not using a circumstance to teach you. He uses his word to teach you. Right? He doesn't go, you know, like if I'm teaching Micah how to ride a bicycle, I am not going to take the training wheels off his bike this spring, right, and take him to the top of a big hill. Be nice. I'll put a helmet on him. Right? But then just go, okay, Micah, here we go. Bam! Okay, so have you learned that crashing is no fun? No, that's not what God does. No, God doesn't take your hand and put it on the stove to teach you that, hey, don't put your hand on a stove. Right? He teaches us with his word. He's a good father. So if there's any junk in your life, God didn't do this to draw you closer to him. Right? No, no, God is good. Come unto me, all you that labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. This, is, this Greek word rest means a quiet ceasing that refreshes. Have you ever had mental toil? You'll understand then what a quiet ceasing is. When he gives you rest, it shuts your mind from all this nonsense. It takes every contrary thought from the enemy captive, and all of a sudden there's a quietness that refreshes you. And I'll give you rest. But here's how, here's how that happens. Take my yoke upon you. If you study the rabbis in the region of the Galilee in Jesus' day, a rabbi's yoke was his doctrine. So in other words, for us as a New Testament believer, Jesus is saying, take my word upon you. Okay? Take my word upon you and learn of me for I am meek. That means I'm humble. Do you know the definition of humility? True humility is one who believes only the truth. Pride, the ultimate definition of pride, is believing a lie. Right? I am meek, I am humble, and I am lowly in heart, and you shall find rest for your souls. Now, he's not talking about your feet. Little joke there, right? No, no. He's talking about your soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. You'll find rest for them as you, as you learn of him. You take his word upon you, and you learn of him. Well, if you take his word upon you, you could only learn of him because guess what? He is the word, Right? For my yoke is easy. That means my yoke is gentle. Have you ever noticed, no matter what you do, how you blow it, where you come from, it doesn't matter. He's, he's easy. He's gentle. He takes you by the hand. He meets you right where you are. He cleans the wounds. Now, you, gotta, you have to invite him. You have to be willing and obedient. But he can clean and fix any wound. And when he fixes it, there's no scar scarless future. What am I saying? He brings wholeness into your life. My yoke is easy. That means it's gentle, but it's also easy to use. Have you noticed as we teach the word, have you noticed because of the anointing on it and everything, it's easy? You sit here and go, yeah, okay, that, that makes sense. It's easy. If it's not easy, it's not God. 
and his burden is light. I love that. So to realize the blessing of God in your life, you must mix faith with God's word. And you do that by meditating in his word. Right? In Hebrews chapter 4 and verse 1, talking about the children of Israel who never entered in to the promised land, it tells us why. It says in Hebrews 4.1, it says, Let us therefore fear. That word fear is a little vague. It literally in the Greek, it means let us therefore be cautious, let us therefore be aware, and let us therefore be diligent, lest the promise being left us of entering into his rest, any of you should seem to come short of it. For unto us was the gospel preached, right, as well as unto them, but the word preached did not profit them. Why? Because it was not mixed with faith in them that heard it. What is faith? Faith is the ability to trust God, which comes by hearing his word. So why could they not enter into the promised land? Because they walked around. They literally walked around in the wilderness saying, we can't have what God says he's given us. They couldn't get beyond their natural circumstances. Those people are greater than us. The, wall, the cities are greater than us. The walls are bigger. They're mightier than us. We can't do this. They were looking at natural circumstances and said they couldn't have what God said they would give them. In the same way, a person looking at their sickness and disease and what they're facing, if they stop looking at what God says, they'll die in the wilderness. Because why? They're not mixing what God said with faith. So if the children of Israel were in the wilderness and they were walking around like Joshua and Caleb were, man, I'm so grateful. Caleb's like, I want this mountain. There's a mountain there that's mine. We're well able to take it. Do you know why Joshua and Caleb had a good report? That good report, that wasn't the first time it came out of their mouth. They had been talking about this forever. Oh, man, we're getting, we're getting ready. We're getting ready. We're going over. Could you imagine when they were spying out the land? They're like, check out these grapes. Check out this land. I can just see Caleb. They're walking by this mountain, and, and there's the fiercest tribe is on top of this mountain, and Caleb's like, yeah, I'm building my hut, my house, big house, right on top of that mountain. As a matter of fact, no. He said he would give me houses that I didn't build. That king up there, that's my house. I'm going to take his head, and that's my house. He built that for me. They were mixing the word of God with with, with their mouth. In the same way, if you will keep the word of God in your mouth, instead of talking your circumstance, you will have what you say. God says that. Isn't that good news? Meditating in God's word is the only thing that will drive out unbelief. Unbelief, that's a rebellious disobedience. That's saying, I can't have what God said he gave me. The only thing that drives it out, don't try to change your speech. Literally just meditate in the word. Keep it in your mouth. Keep saying it over and over and over again. Whatever, get two or three scriptures that tell you what God says about your situation. And you keep speaking them over and over. You're mixing faith with them. And what that will do, it'll drive out unbelief and it'll bring you to a place of rest. It's how it works. So in other words, and I shared this with the men, I gotta read this again, I had to go back in my notes. I meditate in God's word until the word of God on the inside of me eclipses the fear of the circumstances on the outside. And then the peace of God is able to rule in my heart and in my mind. I meditate in the word of God until the word eclipses the fear of the circumstance that I'm facing. And then the peace of God 
is released. Do you know peace and joy? We're going to learn about this on Sunday. Not, maybe not this Sunday. One of these Sundays. <laughs> Righteousness. How do you? It's like teaching on Mount Everest. You know, it's like, geez. Peace and joy flow out of righteousness. The more you're aware that you've been made righteous, now the joy of the Lord is able to. Why? Because it'll cause you to speak, and you'll have joy by the answer of your mouth. It'll cause you to meditate in his word day and night because you know who you are, you know who he is, you know what he's given you, and now as you meditate in the word of God, the word will eclipse on the inside of you all of the fear and concern about the circumstance that you're in. And the peace of God is released. And I'm telling you, when you walk in the peace of God, nothing stresses you out. You will actually, it's hilarious walking like this, because there'll be times you get it in, and I know you guys know what I'm gonna say. You'll get, you'll get in a situation and you're almost like standing beside yourself going, okay, I should be really freaked out right now. And I can't even stir that up. You just sit there and laugh. You're like, yeah, whatever, right? You don't care? I refuse to care. I will not. No, no, no. If I have a care in my life, I give that to him because I'm not built to carry that, right? So here, here, and this is that last statement, guys, all these guys are sitting there going, you really didn't say that. I didn't say that Tuesday. This is the one I said Tuesday. You go to God's word, okay? And you allow the Holy Spirit to open the word of God and show you God's thoughts that are contained in his word. And then you say them over and over again and you build them into your imagination. This enables you to see God's thoughts so that you can move in the direction of God's thoughts. You can't move in a direction you don't see. So what do you do? You get God's word, and you meditate in it. You say it over and over and over, and the Holy Spirit on the inside of you opens God's word to you so that you start seeing into God's word and now it builds that imagination in your mind and you start seeing you start seeing yourself well you start seeing yourself have enough money you start seeing yourself walking free from anxiety and depression and fear you start seeing your life being put back together and then it causes your behavior to move in that direction you can't fake that. This is not a this is not this is not a fake it till you make it thing. Right? You can't do that. So let's look at a couple pictures here. I don't think we're going to really have time to get into what I really wanted to get into, but this is good, huh? Yeah, this is really good. So Matthew chapter 7, look at the picture. This is a picture of somebody who's willing and obedient. Matthew chapter 7 verses 24 through 27. It says, therefore, whosoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him unto a wise man which built his house upon a rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell not because it was founded on a rock. And everyone that hears these sayings of mine and does not, or does them not, shall be likened to a foolish man which built his house upon the sand. Do you know what the sand is? That's the world system, guys. It's sand. You could have all the investments in the world. You could have a thriving business and something changes and it, it's all gone in a moment of time. The world system, it's sand. God wants you to build your life upon a rock because he wants everything in your life to last forever. Beyond this life, right? Or I shouldn't say that. There's only one life. But beyond this temporal, this is like dress rehearsal. You know? We're, we're learning faith. We got some defeated powers of darkness to kick around here so we could 
learn the authority that we have to get ready for what God will have us do in an eternity. This is so important. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat upon that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Notice, both houses had storms. You're going to have storms. God doesn't ever want a storm to move your life. Right? Jesus is talking about here being prepared. Being willing and obedient will prepare you. The Holy Spirit, if you're willing and obedient, he will get you ready for everything you'll ever face. Now, you might not know exactly what you're going to face, but he will get you ready so that when you face it, you'll have the armor of God, the word of God. You'll have it right in your mouth so that when that circumstance jumps up, you kick it in the teeth with the word of God and you say, no, you're not coming here, right? Here's another one. Joshua chapter one, verse eight, gives us a a big picture of willing and obedient. This book of the law, for a New Testament believer, God would say, the word of God shall not depart out of your mouth. Right? That means you're always speaking the word. But you'll meditate therein day and night. Therein what? Therein in the word that you may observe to do or observe yourself doing all according to all that is written therein. And then you will make your way prosperous. Don't try to work out somebody else's salvation. You can't make their way prosperous. To be honest with you, you can't even see their way. Right? I mean, that's the hardest thing about parenting adult children. Because you are like going, you've lived a lot of life, and you're going, you need to do this. Right? But if they're not asking, you can't say. And sometimes that's a blessing because we really can't see what God really has for them. Only they can see it. So we got to be careful as parents. Because sometimes the Lord's going, yeah, Tony, man, that sounds so good in the natural. But that's not what David's supposed to be doing. And that's not what, so why don't you, Tony, get over yourself and shut your mouth? Right? And just keep declaring, my seed is going to be mighty on the earth. They're going to be taught of the Lord. Great's going to be their peace. Right? Now every young person's looking at their parents going, did you hear that? Did you? Every younger person in here is going, I love Pastor Tony. Preach, say that again, right? We won't talk about honoring and obeying your parents so tonight, so you guys are safe, right? It says, then you'll make your way prosperous, and then you'll have good success. Hallelujah. Let's look at another one. Psalm chapter 1, verses 1 through verse 3. It says, blessed is the man. Empowered to prosper is the man that walks not in the counsel of the ungodly. You're blessed if you don't walk in the counsel. What that is, that's the advice or the plan of the ungodly. Now, guys, ungodly, right? Obviously, if somebody does not know God, they're ungodly. But be real careful Because there's Christians that live ungodly. And we don't want to walk in their advice or their plan. What am I saying? Be very very careful who you have your close friends, your close circle with. Oh, we're going to be in a lot of people's lives. But be careful. And as you're growing in the Lord, don't go back to your old friends until the Lord leads you. They might be your fruit someday, but not today. Right? It says here who doesn't walk, right? First you're walking, nor stand. Now you've stopped. Stand in the way. This means in the way is the conversation or in the manner of life of sinners. Sinners, somebody who's living, who's missing the mark, who's not living according to the word. Be real careful that you're not listening to that. Right? nor who sits. Now you're not walking, now you've stopped and stand. Now you're sitting in, this is the worst class, in the seat of the scornful. Now scornful people, right? And and we're not gonna ask for hands because I would venture to say 
all of us have probably found, have probably lived in all three of those categories as believers even. But scornful people, you could tell them a mile away, they are teaching others about others. That's what that Hebrew word means. You know, Henry, man, that, that Pastor Dave, right? He just needs to, and he needs to, right? Scornful, run, Henry, just run. And, and here's the cool thing in church, if somebody's doing that, because you know how many of our flesh want to, we know what everybody else should be doing, don't you? You just have it all figured out. Before I, was, before I had children, I'd go to a restaurant, and there's this young family sitting there, and this kid's freaking out. And I'm just sitting there in all of my wisdom as a person who doesn't have any children saying, why don't they just do this, this, and this and, and fix it? Why do I have to listen to that stuff? Now, after having children and now having grandchildren, we're kind of coming full circle. So now when somebody's freaking out, little kids freaking out, the number one thought Jeanette and I have is, praise God, it's not our kids. The number two thought I have is, Father, bless them, those poor people, right? We had a family that came and visited our church once. I used to, when, uh, I, I used to go out to breakfast before just to kind of get away and before church, and, and I'm sitting there, and man, there's this husband and wife, and this little guy is losing it, screaming. Finally, they get the food to go, and the husband goes, listen, I'm going to go warm up the car. She's waiting for the food. I paid the bill. He walks out, and the lady looks at me and goes, I am so sorry. And so I started talking to her. I'm like, oh, it's okay. And I told her exactly what I just said. My first thought was, thank God it wasn't my kid. My second thought is to pray for you. She thought that was so cool. She talked to her husband into coming to church. So that was funny right? Thank you, Jesus. Teaching others about others. You can't be blessed by doing this. But the person that's blessed does what? He delights himself in the Lord and he meditates in his word day and night. Do you hear that again? Willing and obedient and meditating in the word is the same, right? He'll be like a tree planted by rivers of water. So now more than enough provision coming from the inside, his leaf won't wither, He'll yield all his fruit in his season, and whatever he does will be brought to maturity, will prosper. That's another picture of willing and obedient. Guys, these pictures are all over the place. I'll leave you with this. God will help you be willing and obedient. He will show you areas that you're not to help you get there. Amen?